I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, can I help you find something? Librarians specialize in helping you find what you were looking for and sometimes what you didn't know you were looking for. Thank you for joining me as I talk to my guests about all things library, including the books inside them. I'm Julie Chavez, and this is Ask a Librarian. Alan Barralero is the Academy Award-winning writer and director of the animated short film Piper, and has been supervising animator on many other popular theatrical releases, including The Incredibles, Incredibles 2, WALL-E, and Brave. He began his career in animation at the age of 16 and spent more than 25 years at Pixar Animation Studios. Alan lives in Canada. And here is our conversation about his first book. Alan, thanks so much for being my guest today. I'm so thrilled you're here. Thanks for having me. I want to start. So I have tons of questions for you because you have such an interesting path to writing this novel both professionally and then just also, you know, how you became a writer. So I have lots of questions about that. But I wanted to start by asking you, if you wouldn't mind, to just give me a brief synopsis. Your novel is middle grade for called Where the Water Takes Us. Correct. And give me the brief, just kind of elevator pitch rundown of it, if you wouldn't mind. <laughs> you think I'd be good at that. <laughs> well, and you know what's so funny is that I feel kind of cruel doing this because when people ask yeah. me to describe what I'm writing, I'm like, that's so mean. This is but, the initiation. I understand. Yes, my, yes, my yes. I'm really... <laughs> I really want to make it uncomfortable right at the beginning because I think that's the key to a good interview. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll keep that with a, a clumsy intro of, Perfect. you know, it's a story of a young girl named Ava who's shipped away to Lake Country to stay with her grandparents while her parents deal with this difficult pregnancy. And, and really that's a way of saying these moments in your life where suddenly your world's turned upside down and you're trying to gain control. So, you know, hence the title, Where the Water Takes Us. As we get older, you know that you're not sure where life will, t- will take you. No, you are and not. It's how we deal with these things, right? It's that we can't change them. It's But what I'm after in the story and, and trying to convey is you know, it's how we deal with these difficult moments in life is that's more most important, not changing that. So yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll just start going deep into that's know, the mess perfect, of my mind. Oh, <laughs> great. Well, just put a pin in that. We'll go back to the messy mind in just okay. a bit. The junk drawer. Yes. Yes. My favorite. <laughs> I, well, so before we started recording, we just mentioned real quickly that I I'm lucky enough to be one of the early people that read this book. Really the first. So in the sense of like that little pod of, you know, torturing your family and friends and they don't (laughs) want to look at you anymore. And they're like, please, not that, not that book again, anything else. And, uh, you know, your editor and your slaving. So it's that, it's that moment where, uh, 
So thank you, because this is that moment where someone read your story. Other than I, I didn't, I don't think I forced it on you. If someone no, did, I apologize. No, you did not. No, you didn't in the slightest. Yeah, I love it. Let me just double check that. Did I? Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> no, I I loved it. So I'm excited to kind of tell you what I thought about it because I just finished this morning, and I Ava is 11, which I think is just such a perfect age that you chose, but. I just have to tell you, I loved the book. I read a fair amount of middle grade from my job, obviously. And one of my favorite things about it is it's distillation. It's just only the things that need to be there. And I thought you did a wonderful job. The language is beautiful. The illustrations are just perfect. And I think my favorite thing about it is that it's so honest because Ava is really struggling inside of the story with what's happening. And some of her responses are just very raw and true. And I think it can be, it can be tempting to maybe sanitize some of that, especially for a children's book, but you did a tremendous job. And I know that that mattered to you. I was reading some of the materials about it. So was that something that you set out to do when you started the writing was this is going to be the truth as much as I can tell it? Absolutely, in the sense of, I mean, it almost goes way back. You know, I start yeah. laying on the therapy couch, which I saw of like the Perfect. books that resonated with me when yes. I was younger were always stories that never talked down to me, whether, you know, you're reading Mice and Men or, you know, The Red Ponies, like stories that they felt like they were truthful. There's an honesty there and that you had to deal with that honesty. And that, I feel like, uh, you know, there's just a rule in film or you don't talk down to your audience. You don't talk down to the, we all read books. We're like, okay, now I'm being told how to feel. And I tried to be conscious of that. And I I think it comes from my background in animation and act, you know, as an actor in the sense of being lucky enough to do dramatic roles where you sense it right away. Right. We all do Mm -hmm. when it comes across false. And I thought felt like that, that takes away from the stakes and the truth of the story. So thank you, by the way, those are all very nice compliments to, what I was attempting to do and clumsily, uh, you know, working towards. No, it was, it was very, very well executed. And I loved some of, I, I'm, this is where I struggle because I don't, I never want to give too much away, but that's true. And I I better learn that too. (laughs) Right. Oh, spoilers in the very end. (laughs) And then on the last page, the end, (laughs) but be sure to buy it. (laughs) Don't don't forget rush right out. (laughs) But I think I loved some of the scenes, especially one in particular between Nana and Ava in which Nana is doing what grandmothers do, which is, sort of sharing her thoughts and these stories and she doesn't think about kind of the impact that that might have. I mean, just sort of these, the way the characters bump up against each other in their own realness and the way that they're trying to show up. And Cody, I just, it was so, so well done. Thank you. And just how we misunderstand each other, right? Over and over again. And we try the best to communicate and we stumble on how we kind of need each other. You know, you can never do it alone, even nature itself and how much I feel it has to teach us. It becomes a theme for me. I love stories where characters are part of the world versus trying to conquer it. It feels truthful and important to me for where we are today that, Mm. you know, the the more we connect and we see ourselves together in something, the better off we are. And I, I feel like if I'm in nature, really, you know, 
quickly you realize you're not that important and you're not you've been you're trying to uh you know it could remind you of that very very quickly and in so many beautiful ways but also in you know scary ways you know you're yes. hiking and you're fine and you're like why don't i do this more then you trip your ankle and you're like how do i get home yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true humbling and mystifying those uh those sorts well of said. moments right where you're like well Okay, now I understand. I have clarity. Exactly. I, I really, I loved the way that you brought nature into this book because also there have been certain books that I've read in the past that I really loved them, but that was very heavy handed, right? Because the description yeah. can really take over. And at a certain point, I really don't care what kind of plants they are. And that I'm sure <laughs> makes me dumb, but I just am like, okay, I get it. Yes. <laughs> there were plants and there were many and they were varied. Moving on. <laughs> so I really liked, though, the way you did that and kind of the one of the inciting events for Ava. I don't want to, again, give anything away there, but when you had a line in the book, she keeps something from, from what happens there to kind of keep her a reminder. And it said maybe keeping it made her weird, but maybe she had always been weird and just didn't know it until right then. And I love the... The growing self-awareness, and especially I think one of my favorite things about middle grade is that I read it and think, okay, yes, this is about younger people, but I'm still discovering myself, even yes. at my yes. age. I mean, we, if we're lucky, we get to live a long life and grow until the end. And so the idea, I mean, it was funny. I read that line and I was like, I think I'm weird and don't that's, always realize it until the pretty, moment. That's pretty much me too. And I, and I don't, in a way I don't, you know, I didn't say I want to be a middle grade. To me, it's a weird concept because I'm writing how I write and how I feel. And I, in a way, when people say that, there's always a little bit of, you know, join the party, adults. There's some beautiful fiction in middle grade in that space that, and, and, and vice versa. Yes. You always want to have a story that anyone can relate to. And I don't know else how to approach it, to be honest. You know, and I, I kids have these thoughts. They 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 do worry. And I, and I remember having, and I want to kind of hit, get right there. Yes. <laughs> yes. Well, this walks in perfectly to what I was going to ask you next, which was, sorry, let me back up. One yeah. more thing I wanted to say is I love also in this book, the power of childhood belief and the power of belief in general, the stories that we tell ourselves, the things that we think about ourselves and the world around us and how that impacts our action. That was a theme that I kept seeing for this one, especially with Ava. And I really loved that too. So I thought you did a really good job of that honesty. So this is my question. What kind of kid were you? Were like, were you like <laughs> Ava? Were you a little more like Cody? How, what kind of, what kind of kid were you? <laughs> my mom would say I was the kid who would always be staring at the sidewalk and we couldn't walk anywhere because I'd be focusing on little details like, did you see that ant? And I would fall, you know, he couldn't get down the street with me because I'm uh, I'm locked on some detail that I, I cared about. I guess what I'm tapping in there too is the anxieties and that, you know, junk drawer of your brain of growing up and the, like creative ideas, but also just the, the truthfulness of those moments and, you know, really trying to convey that as best I, as I can. And then flip in the next scene and be and and you know be that silly kid again. But I love those moments where kids don't buy it, even as an adult, where yes. you're saying something to them and you're like, I don't buy a word. <laughs> yes. I'm on to you. And there, and I think Ava's sharper than me in that sense. <laughs> she's <laughs> she's she's thinking and, and an active protagonist. I I love stories where characters are driving the story and are pushing it along and are not sitting back, letting the world 
hit them there. She's trying to solve it. Mm. And uh, to me, that was a rule with her. At times I was more Cody, which is solve what? What are we talking about? I was, <laughs> I was, I was looking at something else. Right. <laughs> so, I was busy. Why would I wear a shirt? It's summer. Yeah, exactly. Right. And, and, and then suddenly self-conscious about it. I guess for me, I would like to say I'm both, you know, not, but that might be giving me a compliment that I mean, I gave up. I'll allow it. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> you heard it here first, everyone. <laughs> this is perfect. So here's my question. You started working in animation and yes. acting through that as well, it sounds like. Yes. And that started when you were 16. Is that correct? I always loved to draw. The kid okay. in the back of the class that just, what is, you know, drawing? Even in this book, there's a nod to it I don't, to give away that it's a flip book if you've if you flip the illustrations and uh, that was all. I'm so excited because I only read it on the screen. So yeah. I can't wait to see it because it's so, it, I mean, even looking at them though, that was such a cool concept. That's what I would do to every book that I love. So, you know, really? I thought I'm going to jump in first and do it to my own book. I love every, that you did. I shouldn't say that to teachers that yes, any textbook I could get my hands on, there was someone you know, there's a basketball player who was going to slam a ball into the hole punch. You know, I would just oh, try to play amazing. with flipbook and that that part of me. I mean, the illustrations, I didn't actually draw consciously at the beginning of this um, and just wanted to set tone and mood. I feel like there's this agreement with the, the reader. And I, I was always frustrated when I was a kid. And I'd, you know, if you show the character, then show them. And if, and, but don't, repeat that information or show it again later like oh yes. now you ruined it i yes. had this and milne and shepherd really did this to me in a way i really remember you know posing a character from behind and going wow i feel i'm really with christopher robin like i i'm really attached to the story somehow so i tried to you know to take the inspiration there from that and just let the book not get in the way i guess that's mm -hmm. a lot of what i try to do don't get in the way of the reader if, if mm. you can avoid it it's like you got to earn to be on, you know, earn your, your place in the page, if that makes sense. <laughs> it's like, don't. That's, a, that's a beautiful way to think of it. You're exactly right. Kind of getting yourself out of the way as the Oh, that's author. the best. That's beautiful. That comes from, um, I mean, even film, right? The worst thing someone could say to you is, oh, you know, I love that thing you did. And you look, you know, just like you're kind of, oh, no, you fell out of the story and you paid attention to that mm. or that, you know, you saw something else and you, you want to be removed and have the, you know, just believe in that character. And that's the goal. Anyway, my goal with any of my work. Yeah. I really love that. So you worked for Pixar for a number of years. I did. Yeah. And so what would you say being in that space, what was your favorite part of that job? Did you have a favorite part? You know, it was such a learning experience. I started there when I was 21. That's 25 years of working there in so many films. You grew up with people. It's a really, um, and I grew up there. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of fond memories. I think if I was to say, I think what I learned is how to be an artist in the sense of, you know, what people don't see is how many movies we threw away and how many stories you see the hard work. You It takes away the magic trick. I think when I thought about animation when I was younger, I go, wow, I go to that studio. What, what do they do there? That It just yeah. happens. Yes. And what it ended up being is, that's a lot of hard work and you keep trying and it's just like you think you, you go, wow, that was terrible. We should redo that part. That didn't work at all. And we thought it would. And knowing that and having confidence to do that, I, I think was a big help to transitioning into writing because I always wanted to write, um, mm -hmm. but I would never dare admit that. And then also you immediately, I think when you're younger go, 
well, I can't do that. I tried and I failed at it. And I think what animation taught me, because it's such a painful, grueling process of, you know, you do 100 drawings, just to uh, 24 drawings to do one second, let's say. So you could do seconds of work and throw it all out and then go, okay, do it again. So you get that out of your system. You're like, oh, this isn't precious. Great. And I, I think that's what I applied to writing, where it's like, oh, this is... You can't just expect to be a marathon runner. You can say, oh, I couldn't do it today. You have to work. <laughs> yes. give that up. I felt like that's my big learning curve and a big aha moment as I got older where I, I wish I could go to my younger self and say, no, 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 it's work. Put in the work, get in the reps. Author friend Vikram Chadra said to me, just get in the word count every day. And it's like exercise. It's it, Then it suddenly becomes this doable thing that, and animation is very like that. You think you want to act, but you're like, wait, I don't even know how to draw a hand. Wait, how does a hand move? The fingers move. And then mm. once you get past the mechanics, suddenly you're acting. And that's kind of the permission, I guess, I gave myself that I wouldn't yeah. allow it till I was older. Like, oh, wow. Give yourself permission to learn all that. And then hopefully then test it, you know, then, and, we, and the answer yes. might be, oh, you really can't be a marathon runner. You're still winded. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. The craft yeah. that lies behind all of these finished products that we see, and then, you know, craft plus exactly what you're saying, which is 85,000 failed attempts and you know, almost there and all these things. And it's so, it's so true. It sounds like that was, you kind of had that demystification already in place then when you came to writing, because then you had a lesson. Yeah. So anytime I talk to new, at the studio at the time, the supervisor would be talking to new animators or talking to artists or, you know, kids at school. I think my first thing to say is make mistakes and be vulnerable. It's Mm. It's the best advice I can give you because Mistakes are seen as this bad thing instead of this real road of like problem solving and that muscle of going, but why didn't it work? Just ask yourself that second question because closing the door on the idea sometimes is more valuable and understanding that than just getting the answer right and not knowing how. Yes. But you got to be vulnerable to do that, right? And it's always at an age where you don't necessarily, let's say high school, you want to be vulnerable. (laughs) Vulnerability and high school sometimes don't go together. I wonder why that is. (laughs) But it's so key, right? You you go back and I'd say, get over yourself, just draw and try these things and fail at it. And then you're, Mm -hmm. and then, okay, now start fixing it as best you can. So I don't know. That's my sloppy attempt at how I... No, that is a really good lesson to learn. And I really like the specific question you said, which is, but why didn't that work? Yeah. That is so, yeah. that to me is the difference between mistakes as an endpoint and mistakes as a jumping off point. So I think well, that that's perfect. That's, you said that way better. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what you said. <laughs> we'll go yes. back. We'll write that yeah, down. Right. Yeah. Yes. I'll, See, I'll repeat what you said. Yeah. yeah. Perfect. We'll send a script. This will be great. Well, I loved when I was reading in your bio about Piper because I love that short film and you directed you. that one, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Wrote and directed. Yeah. Thank you. Oh, so I have not rewatched it because I was slightly behind this week, but I just remember being so charmed by that one. I loved the feeling behind it. Now, are you still doing filmmaking and animation? Or I am. Kind I'm, of a, okay. I'm at, um, I'm at Passion Pictures right now in their wonderful studio and, and uh, independent in that. Yeah. And even, you know, I don't want to be a spoiler, but even consider this book into the film adaptation. Yeah. So, Buy the book if you want to see the movie. Yes, <laughs> but, um, perfect. But uh, to me, there's no um, crossing over as an artist is is really, you know, 
it's freeing. You can, you can jump around, yes. you know, it's, it's kind of like saying, um, these are barriers that don't really matter to me. It's as long as you do, uh, you know, the story kind of dictates where, where things sit, but sometimes a watercolor painting is the best way to express it. And then you switch to oils and you, you can say that in a different way. So I love that. I, I love, I love that part of the medium and what it can do, but you know, writing is so to write a book is you get into the interiority of the character in such a different way. And, and that, that was really important to me and something I really wanted to try at least to see if I, I can do. So yeah. Uh, yeah. And thanks. Thanks about Piper. That um, yeah. It's always a little, that's, this stuff's always embarrassingly personal. Once it like, you know, it's like, and even with a little bird who's scared of waves, it's like, so, it's somehow always linked to like, you know, some anxiety that I have versus some visual thing I see, you know, we say yeah. that. Piper is really like the mother is the the parent I wish I was, you know, as, mm. as I'm stressed about the, the over parenting and like, I wouldn't, you know, I'm just hovering over my kids yep. and like, I wish I could, you know, let them grow up, let them learn. Uh, so there's a little bit of that in there as well. Gosh, I love that. I mean, I think no matter what, we just can't help but bring ourselves to our creations, no matter yes. what, right? <laughs> I, it just... I <laughs> I, no. And once you get to know people, right, it's really, really funny as, as you yes. each artist, you're like, wow. I, and you have to be vulnerable and truthful, right? To get to these things and, and, and be honest about them. Yeah, very. Well, and you said there was a line in the book that I really liked where you said words were not equal. Some words had power. They had the power to change the entire direction of your life if someone decided to say them aloud. And I thought that was so beautifully put. And also that really spoke to me about art in so many forms too, where it's just yeah. bringing something to life is, can be a catalyst for change in not only the life of the creator, but then also in someone else's life, which is just a beautiful privilege. It is. And you're totally right. It's such a privilege, um, especially as I'm finishing this book, because we're recording this and it's it's not out yet. And right, I'm waiting right. to even see, I haven't even seen it in my own hands yet. Oh my goodness. So, privilege that you get to tell a story and not to and then not to abuse that for the reader, like when you said distillation, I'm really proud of that. And thanks for for saying yeah. so, because you that's almost like your greatest fear is wasting someone's time. They're they're there to read it. You can't be self-indulgent. So you're you're hoping you're doing your job and telling the story. Um and yes. I don't know. If you can get it, you wanna think that what's in there has been earned to be in there every word. And if it's not, you know, you you wish it was removed because uh it's like the shorter the better. Uh, you know, being a short film yes. <laughs> too, you know, it's it's I uh, it's hard to distill something down for me anyway. <laughs> oh, a hundred percent. And I thought too, though, this, I noticed that this was 200 pages, which is actually a very nice length. And, you know, there, some of the middle grade books I read are longer and some need to be longer. And then some, yeah. like you said, need to be shorter. So it's true though. The self-indulgent part is, it's sort of a bizarre thing, right? Where you think I'm going to write this book because I have something to say. And then once you <laughs> write it, you think, oh gosh, I really hope that <laughs> I was not wrong in that. <laughs> yeah. And also like, well, it starts to take a turn and I don't know what that magic trick is really, but it's like, well, that Ava wouldn't say that she, she has to, it starts to tell you. I torture, yes. I torture my kids too. I have to be honest where it's, you know, I even read it aloud and then there's something to reading in your head where I find myself um, giving myself uh, more leeway. Like, oh, that's good. And oh, then yeah. um, I nailed ooh, that. Yeah, so, yes. I, 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 I keep going. And then, 
you, you know, I forced my kids to read and acted yeah. out even. And the lines, wow, you know, there's nothing worse. It's like hearing a train just crash and, and you're, you're realizing, um, okay, that, that, you know, you get out of yourself and get over yourself yes. and you're like, okay, now I gotta, gotta give that another, give that another run. So I, I'm taking that approach. Yeah. That I wouldn't, you know, you put in the extra work, right, right. The 12th version, but hopefully you're not lost, but distilling that distilling that core idea yes. down and saying, I think I can say this better and more efficiently. So even up to the end, it was like, even though I might be writing a new chapter suddenly in the last days, yeah, more that I felt like my writer, and especially my editor at Candlewood, Karen Lutz, amazing that giving me the permission to be, oh, that would distill it down. That would be, that would be a best explanation, you know, same intent of the story, yes. but that would be even a better version of that. So yes. I'm constantly trying to challenge myself in that way. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Yeah, but you're right. You do get to a point where you are kind of hopefully if it works out right you're ushering the story into being so the story has its own yeah energy and the characters and so then you become kind of a shepherd at a certain point which is a cool feeling i think because there are some parts and i think it doesn't happen you know the whole book through but there are some elements that come out and you think ah that's exactly that was meant to be and it's not necessarily mine it just yeah, was meant yeah. to exist and it must sound crazy. Like part oh, of it's sure. a split, a split personality, right? Yeah. I, another maybe way to say it is, um, you're the writer and the reader at the same time, and that reader part of you starts coming, going liar, <laughs> liar. <laughs> That's a much more balanced way to say it. What you just said, reader and writer, as opposed to mine, which was like, wow, Julie might want to check herself in somewhere. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> it's a little rough. <laughs> you're right. You are writer and reader at the same time. I'm more Princess Bride, where it's like liar. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a witch. I'm your wife. Exactly. Yep. Oh yeah. You got me. You got I, me. Oh, I love, we love the princess bride, but I'm also going to take that advice. My husband feels, I think like it's kind of a hostage situation. Anytime I read something to him, like even out of a short article, he's like, Oh my gosh, I'd rather chew glass. It's so cruel. It's, it's so, cruel. so cruel. But <laughs> the idea of making my children act something out, I'm totally going to do that. That will be, that'll be fun. I'm excited. Yeah. I'm working and on a children's and... picture book. So I'm going to, I'm going to print it out and their scripts. They're going to be ready. <laughs> Friday fun kids. <laughs> oh, they'll love it. Oh, oh especially yes. teenagers. If you can. Oh, teenage sons. Mm, yeah. Love it. They're <laughs> like, sure. yes. Yeah, video game or. <laughs> yes. Get ready Just for take this. a break from Fortnite so that you can act out do. this scene for me. <laughs> I know you've done it seven times. <laughs> Yes. Do it a little bit better. Yes. I 
These are real. I think we're generating a lot of ideas. We should probably patent some of these and like really maybe write really. a parenting book for writers right. or something. I don't know. How to scar your kids in three <laughs> yes. easy steps. A hundred percent. I've got a question for you about film in terms of, I hear a lot about the three act yes. story. Yes. Can you give that to me in like an easy, like one, two, three for beginners kind of thing. Oh yeah. Okay. Like you're, you're saying like you have your inciting incident and in, yes. in act one and that takes you, takes you into act two. And there's uh, I, you know, I even stink at it in the sense of like, I always check my homework afterwards, but you're, you're, you're on a journey. And then that journey takes a turn in act two, not what you expect. You're, you're heading okay. to the climax of act okay. three. And that is where, you know, the antagonist and the protagonist, like, you know, good and bad, have yes. to meet and that conflict that you set up has to be resolved you know yes you were kind of racing to the end and there's all these checkpoints what's what's interesting about that is everybody has their own version of where that checkpoint is of you know as you move into each act whether it's a five act play or a three yeah I, i'm not one to like i feel like that's a great diagnosis tool and i i kind of go back to it when i'm wondering hey what bumped me here why am i too long like what what, what happened from the inciting incident of this this problem right did she did, did that character run into a new obstacle and did mm. it did that challenge shift at the midpoint but I don't necessarily I'm not an expert in it and, and I kind of don't care to be because I always kind of look back at it and go well that's this can be a five act play though this can have another break in it I think it's just these major tent poles that okay. unfortunately are a metrodome in my view that uh the audience picks up on right now and it gets really boring because you go by page 15, this happens. So I'm always looking to kind of know that rule, but in a way, use it as a diagnostic tool to go, okay, why did I feel that way? And maybe that'd be helpful to me, but I don't want to give things away. I would even structurally say, see this part in a where I'm actually, yeah. I'm actually taking a turn there intentionally because you want to move the story along. But So you use it retroactively always. more so. Okay. Always, so always. when you sit down to write or when you were thinking about a film or you just are following the story a little bit more. And then when the story is off or when you're feeling like something's not lining up, then you're using that to figure out maybe where you've gone wrong or where you'd like to shift. Yes. Yeah. And I would say that um, personally, I feel like each story has its own way, unique way to get in it. And it's not wrong to do that. You know, everybody's like, no, you, it's better to put down structure. And I've worked with, you know, writer directors that do that. And then they have their own way. Okay. Now I can throw away that structure. And others are like, I never look at that. So I feel like it's more truthful to say, what is this? What is this thing I'm digging for that I'm excited about that the story's asking of me and like find that and then find the structure that lets it grow and then go from there and then start building around. I feel like once I fall in love with structure, it's, it's like a blankie that's not really there. You're suddenly yeah. like, yeah, but I don't care. I don't care about her or the story. So, yes. So yeah, I, I'm probably a bad proponent. like, well, you know, act structure, but I really feel that's the truth that no one wants to say. It's like afterwards that comes out. And when you're in trouble, wow, it's fun to see how other people break down their films, their, the way they write mm -hmm. literature and go, that was a really great way to handle that. I could learn from that. Yeah. You're so right though, because like you said earlier, you know, audiences or whoever, the readers or someone who's watching a film, it sounds like the danger would be if you set out with that as the original Template. intent, uh, yeah. then it's just going to be so visible, right? It's like yes. not putting any drywall on the walls. And so you can see the frame and it's like, okay, yeah, I see how this was built. 
So that really makes sense to me to not go that way. I like Michael Arndt, the writer who wrote Little Miss Sunshine. He always say like, get to the scene you want and find a way to get there. I love that. You know, just find your way there and prove to the audience that you have to get there. That's, that's way more interesting to me than feeling clever structure. And not to take away folks, you know, such good writers oh, sure. that just do that. And yes. you're kind of amazed by it. But yes. that's certainly not, certainly yeah. not me. <laughs> Can't all be the same. It's okay. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's a great, a great tool. Yeah, that. but I like the idea of going backward with it and getting to the scene. Do you think in pictures... In scenes, do you see it in your mind when you're writing? I do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, very intensely. And then sometimes too much. It's like, wow, I'm describing the drawing and or the scene the way I see it. And then at times, it's been nice to kind of try to push myself to step away from that and make room for the reader to have space for them to imagine it. So I try to pay attention to what I'm sharing. And I like to read books. I, you know, so much this is what you like in you and you're yeah. like, I like books that let like, come on, let me have some space here. Like, like, let me imagine it. Cause I find it's like, it can be more powerful yes. to leave room for the reader to imagine that part of the story. Is it really essential to the telling of it to explain that detail? Um, mm -hmm. My feeling is no, it's, it's stronger to tell it enough that they believe it and that they're with you on the major points, but to imagine, you know, what they feel they should imagine. Yeah. That's a beautiful way to say it. I'm a chronic over explainer. So I think that is something Same. that I always, I just, <laughs> every time I'm like, wow, really couldn't have hammered that point a little bit more delicately, Julie. I, yeah. I think I switch gears. I don't know about you, where it's like, I then can be a ruthless editor to my own rambling, but I had to ramble first. Yes. Yes. <laughs> it's sort of a verbal vomit sort of process. Yeah. And then once we clean that up, there's actually something there. Yeah, Yay. This is fine. Yeah. Yes, this is fine. <laughs> yes, this is why writers need editors and especially you and me, apparently. Don't, don't yeah. you know, what a what a beautiful relationship and one. Yes. I, I love that. I mean, in the, in the kind of... Um, I always felt the mystery of writing was, oh, you're off and you're alone. And and some of that's truthful, but but sure. truth, it's still a team. And I enjoy that. I enjoy working with your art director and, and your proofreader. Like it's just your editor, of course, the relationship is everybody's there to kind of contribute. So it yes. feels really, feels really wonderful to me. It doesn't feel like a, a failure thing. I, I guess, cause I've come from such a communal art thing. Uh, for me, it's, it's a treat really. Yeah. That makes sense. Well, and such a great gift not to be a relentless egomaniac from the start, right? You already knew it was going to be a group project, so you were all set. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we got to pay attention in school. These group projects are real, and uh, oh. like, you, you know, we have to have to share in kindergarten. All these things add up. It's extremely true, but I will say, when the boys come home and they're like, "Yeah, we have a group project," I'm like, "Oh man, yeah, solidarity." I'm yeah, sorry. <laughs> That's true. Because at least in this group project, everybody's moving toward the same goal. And, Fair enough. you know, yeah. many are financially incentivized to continue to help because it's their job. <laughs> so. That's true. <laughs> that is not the same in high school. No. What's one thing? I just have a couple more questions. What's sure. one thing that writers, so we kind of know what, you know, you learn from film. What could writers learn from the film side? What's one thing that, you know, as an author or a writer that you would say is helpful? Oh, that's a great question. I don't know if I know the answer. This is probably where I should play to my aunts and go, nothing. They can learn nothing at all. <laughs> they can learn nothing. <laughs> mm -mm. <laughs> nope. um, you know, for me, it's one of those things that asking an artist, um, 
you know, what would you learn from being a sculptor and then switching to watercolor? You learn how to communicate your your idea in different ways. And it's so powerful. Like I always wish I was a composer because then you can go, wow, you can speak in language. Like sometimes an idea comes to you, it's more musical than, and I'm terrible at music, by the way. I mean, that power to be able to go, that's a great visual idea or actually has a better place and the way you handle that sentence so well, it says more than that painting. And I, I love, like, I mean, some of this is all my little checklist of what I yeah. want books like, like of, of not, you know, the illustration and art, you know, drawing reason myself, by the way, Candlewood convinced me of that. I did not feel comfortable painting on this really? book at all. I was like, I am not an illustrator. I cannot do this. So they kind of gave me more confidence than I had. Um, but I, if I was going to do it, I I was going to do it in a way that wasn't, battling for attention, you know? Yes. Um, and that's where I felt like I enjoyed that. If I'm going to say this in a paragraph here and talk about that tree, as you mentioned, but if I'm going to paint it in the next page, maybe I don't need to talk about it. You know, mm-hmm. and, and I love that balance. And I, I think that's the movie side to film, to writer. It's like, we all can learn how to express ourselves. You're just a stronger storyteller if yes. you can do that. So I, like when I'm in animation, I'm honest truth novels will have a big impact on how I look at my work more than it. I kind of will not look at animation or film and it's kind of vice versa. Like I try to pull from art, art outside of the thing I'm doing at that moment. Like, Oh, it should feel like that song. You know, your writers yes. say, I listen to a single song the whole time. That kind of thing is more interesting to me that see the long winded answer. Oh, That's a no, that's a fascinating You're answer. Retitle no. the podcast to no, long-winded answers. No, it was brilliant. I love it. It's so, it's so true, and it's so accurate. And I think that's really good energy giving advice for authors because so many people get locked into one mode. Right. This is yeah. how I'm going to do it, and I'm going to sit down and pound out these words until I absolutely hate the 26 letters of the alphabet. And so as opposed to this sort of situation where it's like, okay, you can just have a little bit of freedom in that. And then when you're bringing those together, you can really, that's a really powerful idea. And the idea that things aren't competing, that you can let them sort of stand on their own. Yeah. If you're stuck, right. Go to the museum and stare at your favorite painting. It has nothing to do with your artwork. And I always feel like you come out with you know, wow, yes. that, that shakes me of how that artist communicate because it's communication in the end of the day. How yes. can I communicate to the audience and in what way? Yes. So I'm, I'm always kind of looking at it from that end Yeah. or I've been taught to, to do so and seeing the power in that and going, wow, that that's really true. You know, um, like Miyazaki, for instance, we'll talk a lot about, uh, the, the Japanese studio Ghibli director mm. will stand in front of something for as long as he needs, but he won't draw it or take a picture to the, because he just tries to take the mental picture of it and then apply it to his films, you know, whether Totoro stupid away. And I, I feel the same in like doing research at night, let's say for a book, it's like, I'll read a lot, say birds in the story. Mm-hmm. And then you kind of put that away. And by the next morning, it's almost like I have a terrible memory and I try to take it to maybe like try to pretend it plays to my advantage to go, Ooh, I don't remember anything of that homework, but that <laughs> yes. one thing was amazing. So that's very true though. It really is kind of because I think so much of writing or filmmaking and art in general is so down to the really small details. And yeah. I thought about that with one of your watercolor illustrations, because I'm always amazed in painting that one tiny, like, 
brush stroke means, oh, look, there's a person there, like, <laughs> yeah. or they're doing this. Yeah. But I mean, the, the I just find that endlessly. Or torturous because you go to do it and you go, oh, look, there's now a cow there. Oh, that's so true. See, I don't paint. And it's my slipper. Oh, it's a car. Yes. <laughs> See, and that's where in my mind, I'm like, oh, that was the first one out of the gate. Wow. Alan did a great like, job. Yeah, exactly. I should pretend I'm more. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I love it. Oh, well, that's the thing though. Capable. And uh, it just means, you know, how to keep at it. So, which is perfect. <laughs> okay. You. I have one final question, which I have uh, stolen from Esther Perel for this season. She has a game called where should we begin? And okay. speaking of ways I torture my family, it's a game with like conversation questions. And so get okay. that out just to make them kind of sad. So, <laughs> and feel like, Oh, my mom's <laughs> the worst. <laughs> so <laughs> the question is, who do you owe a thank you to? Of this book or in life? I mean, where do you... However you... Oh, just in general. Yeah, whatever you think. I get to interpret it. You get to choose. Wow. That's amazing. I Well, that's kind of... That's a hard one because it goes back to family. I, mm-hmm. You know, the people that believed in you and gave you confidence, that's that's where I got to just go right off the bat. Even even to deal with a, you know, as a parent, as you're working as a writer, just, just even to have that freedom to try it as a gift. So yeah, family for sure, all the, all the way. That's wonderful. I love hearing about the precious people that people have in their lives because it's so true. I mean, we would just, we wouldn't survive without them. <laughs> and I'm sure I'm going to use that. I'm sure the kids, my kids would also love that question. That yes. Time. Don't worry. I'll email it to you so you don't forget it so it doesn't get lost. It's going to be great. <laughs> well, Alan, this really was a pleasure. There are so many Same. things that I'm going to think back to on this conversation. So thank you for your time. Thank you for creating a beautiful book that I think will really be a comfort to not only kids in that season, but adults who find themselves in an unexpected place in their lives. So I'm so happy. And tell me again, it releases in July. Fourth of July. That's an, that would be an easy one. <laughs> That's perfect. I, imagine fireworks. And yes, uh, exactly. I well, get to say this for the first time and thank you for reading it. That's the, that's my, that's the first time someone in my book and to say that. So. I'm honored. Truly. It was, it was a gift. So thanks for being with us today. And I can't wait to see it in the world. Thank you. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Ask a Librarian. As always, it's my joy to share and learn with you. You can follow me on Instagram at Julie Writes Words, or you can go to my website, juliewritewords.com. There you'll find the show notes, including all the books mentioned in the episode. See you in the stacks next week. And until then, friends, never go anywhere without a book. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.